Okay, I'll keep you about half an hour at the most. Good to be here with you. My name's Paul Darling. I was in White Abbey for Congregational Church for 16 years as a minister. And I'm ordained minister of the Congregational Union of Ireland and presently preach for the Protestant Truth Society in Northern Ireland as of last week. I want to read to you from the Bible, from the book of Daniel, chapter 6. I'm just going to read a few verses before I say what has to be said. It says in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 1, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three three presidents, of whom Daniel was the first, that the princes might give accounts to them and the kings should have no damage. So Daniel became one of the prime ministers of the world's superpower. I skip one down to verse 7. The other prime ministers didn't like Daniel. And all the presidents of the kingdom and governors, verse 7, and princes and counselors and captains have consulted together and they came to Darius to present this petition. We've consulted together to establish a royal statute or a law and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days save of the king shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians which alters not or cannot be altered. Wherefore, the king Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, Daniel, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, and he kneeled down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God as he did before. In February 2020, I wrote this and posted it online before there was any lockdowns, before the government said about lockdowns. Why are Christians panicking like frightened rabbits? Why are churches already threatening to close and stop worship before the government even said so? The pastors were talking about closing. It seems modern Christians are nothing like those of previous centuries. Is it self first instead of others? In all history, It has been Christians who went to the plague areas and helped and nursed the victims. Examples were given. Number one, during the plague periods of the Roman Empire, Christians made a name for themselves. Historians have suggested that the terrible Antonine plague of the second century, which might have killed off a quarter of the Roman Empire, led to the spread of Christianity as Christians cared for the sick in the plague. Dionysus described how Christians, heedless of their danger, and this is a quote from historians, 
took charge of the sick, attending to their every need. Nor was it just Christians who noted this reaction. A century later, the the pagan emperor Julian would complain how bitterly the Galileans would care for even non-Christian sick people, while the church historian Pontantus recounts how Christians ensured that good was done to all men, not just those who were believers. The sociologist and religious demographer Rodney Stark claims that death rates in the cities with Christian communities were half those in other cities. So in plagues in the past, Christians went and ministered to the victims of infectious diseases, risking their own lives to do so. How different in the last two and a half years, eh? I think there's a different spirit there, isn't there? And I'm I'm not going to read it on. I'll leave the paper. Luther refused to leave his church. He said he would rather die at his post when the bubonic plague came through. John Bunyan, the same, and so on. But anyway, I'll not keep you any longer. Little did I know when I wrote that, I had greatly underestimated the weakness, naivety, and spinelessness of the leaders of the evangelical churches of Northern Ireland. I'm saying this as one of them. Lockdowns came, evangelical with special emphasis on the jelly, Fear-filled hysteria came and we saw the rise of the COVID religion in so-called evangelical churches. See, religion consists of five things. Number one, fear or respect, reverence. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Number two, submission to or compliance with the word of God. Three, praise or declaration and singing. Four, prayer, and asking God, save us, help us. And five, teaching or doctrine, the message of God. The five things, fear, submission, praise, prayer, and doctrine. Well, from the year 2020 to 2022, we saw the rise of the COVID religion. We saw the fear of COVID in churches as the beginning of foolishness. We saw submission to stupid government COVID regulations that didn't work. Parroted from the pulpit every Sunday. We saw thirdly the praise, Sunday mornings, declaration of the media and government's regulations, propaganda, mindless parroting of illogical rules, prayer, looking to the NHS and the government to help and save us from COVID. And the teaching and the doctrine, well, whatever was on the BBC, and whatever the government said, we had to listen to before we even had worship, even when worship began again. You see, the church swallowed the whole COVID religion whole. And I personally, I don't understand why God took me out of White Abbey in 2018. I wish I'd been in a church because we would have never closed. God's ways are beyond ours. But I found it disgusting that ministers, church leaders, pastors and elders, committees, synods and presbyteries 
And I would say this to them. All that happened was your fault. Speak to church leaders. It was your fault. You're pathetic and you're weak and you don't believe the word of God. I, the first day of lockdown, I purposely went out for a walk. <laughs> and I walked down the street in Bombridge, and there's the great big Presbyterian church, and right above the gate was a great big banner. And you know what it said? God is our refuge and strength. And there's a sign on the gate below, and it said, All services closed until further notice. <laughs> One or the other, please, you know. Oh, but it was the law. Don't tell lies. It wasn't the law. Look up what the word mandate means in the English dictionary. Something that you must give consent to before it even applies to you. It's not law. But even if it was the law, as it was for Daniel, when the law of the government or the country contradicts what God's law says, we obey God rather than men. Even if we go to a den of lions. Even if it was law. See verse 9 and 10 in Daniel? Daniel knew that the writing was signed. You know what that Hebrew word is? Yida. He knowing. And it's a perfect tense. He perfectly knew that it was law. He wasn't allowed to pray to God. What did he do? He went down to his house and did as he did, abad is the Hebrew word, in a former time, as he did before. What does it mean? Daniel, the man of God, knowing perfectly well what the civil law said, broke it and went down to his house and continued on praying to God just like he ever did before. And he didn't even bother to close the curtains. Because where secular law disobeys or contradicts the word of God, we obey God. Now that is what Daniel did. And he was protected by God for doing it. And God blessed him for obeying God and disobeying the civil law. God blessed him for it. That's the teaching of the scripture. So <laughs> for many in our nation, I would say put that in your pipe and smoke it for anyone who says, we always must obey what the civil law says. What absolute rubbish. Read your Bible. My message this afternoon will be short and swift and to the point. Who am I aiming at? I am aiming primarily at one group of people, and that is church leaders. As a church leader, I am blaming church leaders for all that happened in the churches, all of it. Two things. Number one, a picture. What does a media or government-led church look like? Let me tell you what it looks like. 
The easy answer is, look at the churches in Northern Ireland in the last two and a half years. That's what a media or government-led church looks like, the most of them. But a media or government-led church would look like this. First of all, it would swallow all that the media says whole and believe it all. It would also rewrite the interpretation of Romans chapter 13 to mean something that it has never meant in the whole of church history. I did my master's degree in hermeneutics, the science of how to interpret the scripture. You look up any commentary and try and find the interpretation that ministers put on that during the COVID crisis. It contradicts what the passage means in the whole of church history. So when the government says a media-led church would look like this, when the government says lockdown in two weeks and don't do any work, they would just do it. And when the government says close your church, they would do it. And when the government and media says don't visit the sick, they would obey as well. Don't meet, don't sing, don't, don't greet and don't visit, they would obey. A media-led church when the government said, stop the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper, well, they would just stop them. Close your vital ministries, your Sunday school, your youth, your ladies' meeting, your old people's meeting, and all your outreach. A government-led church would just obey it all. Wouldn't they? Limit marriage. Limit funerals. They would obey. Don't Visit the dying. They would obey. Disgraceful. That was against your legal human rights. You know that? Who in the churches stood up and protested and stood up for the weak and the vulnerable? It was a total denial of the law, the real law of this country. When the government says... To a media-led church, make healthy people with no symptoms wear masks. They would just do it. They'd obey. Get vaccinated with a vaccine that's not a vaccine that contains or was developed from aborted embryo parts. They would just do it. And some of them would, would, would do even more than that. They would just obey. And we're seeing the consequences of that. As our brother has pointed out, our two brothers actually, but some of the evangelical churches in Northern Ireland, that led by their leaders, of course, went way beyond government advice in their enthusiasm for the COVID religion. Because they wouldn't let people come to church. You didn't wear a mask. Where's that in the Bible? Where is it? They made up unbiblical rules and criteria for church attendance. I wouldn't like to be in their shoes, you know. So that's what a media-led church would look like. The second thing about them is this. They wouldn't stand up for justice. Sure they wouldn't. They would let ordinary people and their human rights be trampled by the mandates that come out and they wouldn't say a word if they were a media-led church. The law-breaking regulations, don't do this and don't do that. And the church was as silent, generally speaking, as a mouse. 
totally different in the past of church history. Christians stood up for people's rights. And a media-led church, thirdly, you would identify it by the Christians. I put the word Christians in inverted commas. Betraying their brothers and sisters by phoning the police on them and telling them they're meeting to worship God. Oh, this just happened at the lifeboat. It happened at Tandragee Baptist. Evangelical Christians phoned the police to tout on their brothers and sisters in Christ for worshiping God just like communist and Nazi spies. It happened. So that's the three signs of a media or government-led church, a church that's governed by whatever is on the BBC. <laughs> and then it was evil Putin, and then it was monkeypox, and then it was the latest. But you know what gets me? How on earth did the church leaders and the churches in Northern Ireland of all places ever believe all that the mainstream media told us anyway? Do you believe the media when they tell you the earth's millions of years old? Do you believe the media when they say you came from a monkey? Do you believe the media and the government when they say there was no worldwide flood, evangelical Christians? No. What about when the media says marriage is for anybody? You don't believe that either. You don't believe that a baby fetus is just a fetus and it's not a child and it's fine to kill it. You don't believe the media when the media says there's no God. You don't believe the media when they say there's no right and wrong and there's no morals. So why on earth did you believe the media and all they said about COVID? It's beyond my comprehension. Willfully blind. The leaders, the leaders, the leaders. Because they're responsible for the sheep. Twice as responsible. According to Second Peter. First Peter. Secondly, what would a Bible-led church look like? Well, here we go. They would examine the government mandates by the scriptures. And they would teach the biblical response. But it didn't happen in 99% of the churches. Because the leaders just rolled over like good wee puppies and got their tummy tickled and they got the money from Stormont as recorded in the minutes. And the money came from the lottery fund to evangelical churches. Good wee obedient puppies. Didn't happen. But before I say anything more, I want to ask you and the church leaders, you already know, but the church leaders especially, let's get this straight in their heads. What is sin according to the Bible? Amen. Sin is transgression of the law. 1 John chapter 3, verse 5. Sin is to transgress or break, to disobey what the Bible says. That's, if you're a believer, that's what sin is. That's what we believe. That's what the Bible teaches. Sin is disobedience to the Bible. Now remember that. What would a Bible-led church look like? Well, when the government said close church, a Bible church, the leaders would look at the Bible, at the worship of God, and they would ask, where in the Bible is the worship of God willingly stopped? Old or New Testament? Never. Never. They would look and say, 
Which human being in the Bible, which church leader had the authority to close church? Which patriarch, prophet, seer, apostle, elder, minister, pastor, committee had the authority to say worship is finished? None. Even Moses couldn't do that. He couldn't say we're going to close the tabernacle. The temple's no longer open. No one has that authority. But it was an exceptional circumstances. Uh, when Jesus says in Matthew 5, talking about divorce, and again in Matthew 18, he says about divorce, he's against it. And then he says, except for fornication. That's in the Greek language is called the exception clause. So in the Bible, there's rules. And if there's an exception to it, there's an exception clause in the original language. There's no exception clause for COVID or closing churches. So it wasn't exceptional at all, according to the Bible. Does the Bible command believers to gather together to worship God? Yes. What is disobedience to the Bible? Sin. Who led in the sin? The leaders of the churches. Another thing a Bible-led church would look like is this. When the government says, don't meet, don't sing, don't greet one another, and don't visit, they would look at the Bible and they'd say, as often as you meet together, sing unto the Lord with a loud voice. I'm just quoting various scriptures here, okay? Greet one another with a holy kiss, and visit the sick and heal, uh, the fatherless. They would continue, a Bible-led church would continue to meet, sing, greet, and visit these people. Not so, and not to do so, is sin, church leaders. A Bible-led church, when the government says, don't observe the Lord's table, stop the orgy, you eat not bread and, and wine or grape juice or whatever it is together, that's, stop it. A Bible-led church would look at 1 Corinthians 11 and even what the Westminster Confession says, which is parroting 1 Corinthians 11, and realize that the Lord's Supper is to be observed perpetually until the second advent. Now, what that means is the word perpetually means without interruption until the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, that's what the Bible commands. So a Bible-led church would have kept practicing the ordinances. They wouldn't have stopped them. But to stop them is sin. A Bible-led church wouldn't close the vital meetings because the Great Commission says go into all the world and preach the gospel. And they wouldn't make healthy people with no symptoms wear dust masks. Sure they wouldn't. I have loads of those masks. You know where they are? In my workshop beside the sander because <laughs> that's exactly what they're for that's exactly what they're for a bible led church would look at Leviticus chapter 13 and 14 which is in the law of God where you take the principles there of 
how the, the God's procedure to how to deal with infectious diseases. Oh, but it was only leprosy. Well, it isn't if you actually look at the Hebrew words. Most ministers never look at the Hebrew words. But if you look at it, the words that are used in the Hebrew cover all sorts of infectious diseases, not just leprosy. So a Bible-led church would look at this procedure. Now, what was the government procedure? Here's the government procedure that the church has obeyed to deal with infectious diseases. There's someone with no symptoms. Stay away, self-isolate, put on a mask, and don't come to church. Right. You know what the biblical pattern is? I'm not going to turn it and read. I'll read you a couple of verses from there in a minute, but I'm not going to do it all. The biblical pattern, look it up yourself. Leviticus chapters 13 and 14 is this. If someone has the symptoms, they go and visit the priest. Now, the priest in those days was like the medic, the doctor. And the priest would, or the medic would examine that person. And that person with symptoms would self-isolate for seven days. And then they would come back to the priest or the medic and they would be examined again. And if it still wasn't clear, they would go, as Brother Luke said, and isolate for another seven days, which is 14 days. Right? But if during, after the first seven or at the second seven, if they were clear, they were free to go back into society. But if it was confirmed that they had an infectious disease after seven or 14 days, if they were diagnosed, to use the medical term, like Martin Lloyd-Jones says, then here's what was to happen. Leviticus chapter, you'll, you'll love this. Leviticus chapter 13, verses 44 to 46. Where am I doing? Should have put a bookmark in, shouldn't I? Thirteen. Let me check a minute. Yeah, forty-four to forty-six. If he was confirmed, verse forty-four, he is a leprous man, which covers all sorts of infectious diseases. The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean, and his plague in his head. And the leper in whom the plague is, the infectious disease—that's the Hebrew word for any infectious disease—plague shall be rent, his, bear his head, shave his hair, put a covering on his upper lip, and cry out unclean, and go and live outside the camp. Self-isolation and masks. When? After they were diagnosed as having an infectious disease. That's the Bible's order. God's order of dealing with infectious diseases. Not just get everyone to do it, whether or not they have it. It's the total opposite. Well, but it might have been non-symptomatic. I talked to a medical doctor in our church. You know what she said? <laughs> There's no such thing as a non-symptomatic respiratory disease. It doesn't exist. But COVID was different, was it? Let me ask you this. If you believe in God, did God know about COVID before it happened? Yeah. So knowing about COVID before it happened, did he put any exceptions in the Bible 
as to what to do when COVID came. No. Since the normal rules of application, how to deal with it, it's not exceptional at all, as, you've, as you know. But a Bible-led church would not have treated ordinary, healthy people like lepers, because that's exactly what they did on the basis of First Corinthians, or, uh, Leviticus 13. They would have followed God's commands concerning the order and treatment of infectious diseases. And when the government says, get vaccinated with an experimental vaccine, it's not a vaccine produced using uh, aborted babies' uh, tissues and its development. Um, how on earth could any Christian who believes the Bible justify that morally is beyond me? Because to do so would be to also justify the work of Dr. Joseph Mengele in Auschwitz has been mentioned. I was in Auschwitz two weeks ago. They wanted blue eyes. So they got the wee babies. When the pregnant mothers first came to Auschwitz, they were all taken to the wooden hut left of the entrance and killed. Then after a while, they thought they could experiment on the babies. Joseph Mengele dropped various chemicals into babies' eyes to get the color to change to blue. They all went blind, and then he killed them all. Now, his research, was that right? Should we use that? No. Nor should we be using the research that went into that vaccine based on murder. And how anyone who stands outside abortion clinics preaching about it can then go and get that vaccine is utterly beyond me. A Bible-led church would stand up for justice. They would speak against the illegal regulations the government brought in on the ordinary people. And the Bible-led church would not have betrayed their brothers and sisters to the police for trying to worship God. A Bible-led church would have kept open. They would have had meetings. They would have continued to sing greet one another, visit the sick. The ordinance was, would have continued. They would have evangelized, visited the dying, not, uh, not forced masks on people, and they would certainly not propagated the vaccine. They would have stood up for freedom for all people, and they would not have betrayed one another. That's the two points I want to conclude and apply, because I said it wasn't going to be too long. The media-led church or the Bible-led church? I want to ask you a question as I ask myself that question and I'm going to live by my answer. Which church are you in? Which church do you support? Which leadership in that church do you submit yourself to? I want to ask church leaders, because this is going out on the internet, I want to ask you this in all sincerity. Does the Bible command that Christians are to gather together, the gathered church, for church worship? Yes. Does the Bible command singing? Yes. Greeting, visiting the sick, preaching and teaching, the perpetuality, the ordinances? Yes, yes, yes. The Bible commands all of that. Does the Bible command outreach? Yes, the Great Commission. Does the Bible teach we should be willing to lay down our lives for the brethren? Yes. 
Well, church leaders, you stopped all this. Because the God-hating, lying media told you to. On whose authority did you stop it? None. You have no authority, biblically or otherwise, to close churches. None. It was sin. Blatant sin against the clear commands of the word of God. So to church leaders, I would say this to you, and I don't care if they all hate me. I couldn't care less. You've sinned. Admit it. Confess it. Publicly, as you publicly sinned. And if not, and I mean this, every one of them should be removed. For their sin. Because there will be no blessing on the churches till there's confession and repentance of the clear disobedience for month after month of the Word of God. And then you Christians, brothers and sisters, if these leaders don't confess and repent their sin, it's your job to get rid of them. But you might say, we can't. There's not enough of us. Be outvoted. Well, then I think you know what to do. You see, what happened, brothers and sisters, was no secondary issue. You say, but the preaching of the gospel and this, yeah, oh, oh, all that stops when you close a church. This is a major issue. And I challenge you as believers, why? If you're a true believer in Christ, why would you submit to and support these weak, tepid, Lambing like wimps. That's <laughs> usually are. They complied with sinful government legislation over and over and over. I was in Poland, as I say, I switched the week before last. We were representing Tandrigi Baptist to a church in Poland that has grown three or four times in the last few years, the, the size it was, about 100 people there now. They couldn't believe when we told them that the churches of Northern Ireland closed. They didn't close. They couldn't believe it. Northern Ireland, the land of the Bible, they couldn't believe that about 99% of the churches closed. Couldn't believe it. And then... The leaders just want to brush all they did under the carpet and pray for revival. Oh my goodness. Yep. Falling away. My son Samuel made a profession. I'm closing with, within the next two or three minutes. My son Samuel made a profession when he was six, I think it was, or five. And he was away from the Lord. He would tell you it wasn't real. I don't think it was real. So he was an unsaved 21-year-old or 20-year-old up until halfway through the COVID lockdowns and he, came, he got saved. But he gave his testimony in Tandrevee Baptist a few months ago and as part of his testimony, he said lots of things, but he said this, that as an unbeliever, 
during COVID when the churches closed. I'm going to quote them, okay? The churches closed. The churches, what a joke. They all closed. This is what an unsaved young man saw without me telling them. This is what the unsaved saw in Northern Ireland. He said it was laughable. When the people needed the most, they closed. That's what he said. What a joke. I found it funny. End of quote. What a shame. Look at the witness. Let me tell you this story as I close. In America, there's a lake called Lake Erie. It's between America and Canada. And on the south side of Lake Erie, there's a harbor called Cleveland Harbor. And outside Cleveland Harbor, there was a big lighthouse because the rocks near the harbor are jagged or were jagged. And to get into the harbor, they had the big lighthouse and it just warned that there was rocks nearby. But in many of the harbors in America, and this one particularly, they had what they called the lower lights along the shore. And they were lights that men in the town lit. And when you lined the lights on the shore up to a perfect line, it, you were on the right channel to get into the harbor, avoiding the rocks, the lower lights. You had to line up with the lower lights. Now, in the 1850s, a ship was trying to make the harbor, Cleveland Harbor, in a storm. This is a true story. And there were massive waves on a winter night. And the captain said to his pilot, I see the Cleveland Lighthouse, but where are the lower lights? And the pilot said, they're out. Can we make the harbor without the lower lights? The captain said. Yes, sir, we must, or we will perish in the storm. And they adjusted their course and tried to make the harbor, but because the lower lights were out, they hit the rocks, the ship sunk, and two, over 200 people were lost. Now, a hymn writer, Philip Bliss, hearing that story, wrote these words. Brightly beams our Father's mercy from his lighthouse evermore. But to us, he gives the keeping of the lights along the shore. Let the lower lights be burning. Send the gleam across the wave. Some poor fainting, struggling seaman. You may rescue, you may save. Trim your feeble lamp, my brother. Some poor seaman, tempest-tossed, trying now to make the harbor in the darkness may be lost. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the great lighthouse proclaiming the good news over all the earth. Who's the lower lights? Who did God, does God in the Bible entrust with leading and guiding men and women and boys and girls to safety in Jesus Christ? The church. The church is the lower lights. And you leaders... When the people of this country were terrified and thought they were going to die, you put the lower lights out. You did. In the storm and in the danger, when they thought millions were going to die, you deserted the people of this island and you put those lower lights right out for months. 
I've had enough of you. For what you've done. I may, as some people have said to me in the past, you're a bit hard. I tell you what, church leaders, I'm not as hard as you. I couldn't have done that. And I genuinely fear for the future of our, the church in this, in this island under the leadership of such pathetic, weak men. Fear for it. You know what happened in the lifeboat during the lockdowns down in Moy? There was a wee Roman Catholic mother and her daughter, and they were convicted and wanted to hear the gospel. You know where they drove from? Balamani. Now, there were one or two churches open in between, but they, didn't. they drove all the way from Balamani to Moy to hear the gospel. Because the church leaders had put the lower lights out. And Roman Catholics, people got saved in the lifeboat and they're in the next Wednesday night prayer meeting praying. We Roman Catholic woman, after three or four days after she got saved, she prayed, Lord, why are the churches so afraid? We were there. Open the churches, Lord. Well, it happened all right. The lower lights went out and people were in need. And they had to drive the whole length of this week province. Church, for this country, you've forgotten what you are. Rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. Snatch them in pity from sin in the grave. Lift up the uh, weep over the f f uh, fallen ones. Lift up. What, what can you say? You know? But if we had maybe kept our churches open, we'd have got in trouble. So what? They sent nine, nine police officers plus a chief inspector to Tandragee Baptist. No one was prosecuted because it was the police were breaking the law. The elders, the deacons and myself, they tried to caution us. We asked them, is this the law? Is that the law? How do we obey this? We don't know. We need, you need to ask your MLA. This is what the chief inspector said. You need to ask your MLA. And I, I was sick of it by this time. And I said, are, are you mean to tell me you don't know what the regulations mean? No comment. And he turned and walked away and I said, I shouted after him. I said, if you don't know what to mean, how do you know when they're broke? If you don't know what to mean, how are you going to uphold them? No answer. I went to his police station in Lurgan the next day. He refused to see me. He was, they were in breach of the law, you see. We should have stayed open. We might get in trouble. The world might hate us. No, the world would have loved you for it. Being there when they needed you. Daniel broke the law even when it was the law. He ended up in the lion's den. I believe we need a change, a revolution in the churches of this land. It needs to happen. There needs to be church planting. If the leaders aren't going to repent or go, we need to fight for the truth, don't we? Are you with us? Shakespeare says, For he today who sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Greater love has no man than this than he lay down his life for his friends.
A media-led church does what the media says. A Bible-led church does what the Bible says. Amen. And thank you for your attention. Thank you.